is everybody doing today? So uh, we're going to be starting a new series today, and that series is going to be titled, um, I think I forgot my glasses, I need to put them back on. Uh, so uh, today's title is, the series starts, is Where is Jesus? Yes, it happens at 40, so all of you young people, when you start hitting 40, you're going to, you can see from far, but anything <laughs> close is going to move on you, okay, so things move, okay, so these letters are moving right now, with the nerves, <laughs> so today, the, we're starting a series, and the question is, where is Jesus, the answer to that is, he's been here all along, he's been here all along. And we're going to be going through uh, Bible scriptures. Some are from here. Some are just um, the ones that the Lord put in my heart. But today's title is Jesus. He has always existed. So one of the things that I want you to understand is that Jesus was not created. For those of you that thought he, he came into being 2,000 years ago, he is the creator. He did not start to exist when he was born on the earth. He has eternally existed. He did not start to interact with humanity right after his baptism either. He has sustained and been intimately and physically involved in the sustaining and restoration and guidance of human beings since the creation of Adam and Eve. This is the Jesus that we want to know. This is the Jesus that Jesus wants you to know. So throughout the series, we want to see Luke 24, 27 fleshed out. Brought out to reality. We want to see how the entire Old Testament pointed, uh, pointed and is fulfilled in the New Testament. You cannot do away with the Old Testament and think that the Old Testament does not apply to the New Testament. It is one book. And this book called the Bible, which is the written word of God, shows you eternal God. This is his face. This is him speaking. And today, if you guys allow me, I want you guys to pray with me because I'm going to get out the way. And I'm going to allow the spirit of God to take a hold of my mouth. You might hear eyes and you might hear me, but it is not me. I'm only human, but I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say to you directly. I will read scripture, but I will let him speak directly to you as though he's the one saying it to you. I'm just a voice. So if you pray with me. Dear Lord and Master, it is your spirit that you have put within us. It is you who has chosen to live within us and to guide us and to teach us who you are to reveal yourself to every single human being that puts their trust in you or hasn't known you or that you have chosen that doesn't know it yet. There might be people, Lord, here who might be hard of heart. There might be people here who might not believe that you can use human beings as just a speaker or voice while you're the one that takes over and speaks to them. I pray that you would prepare every heart and that you would open the spiritual ears and the spiritual eyes to see you today, not Jose and not anybody else, but you, Lord Jesus, the king of my life and the one who reigns in me. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Prepare every heart to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at Jesus in three categories. I don't like to call it categories. We're just going to look at Jesus. One, 
as the eternal God. Two, as creator God. And three, the guide. And so we're going to start with Luke 24, 27, because Jesus was talking to his disciples. And this is what it says in Luke 24, 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Today, we will not get into the specifics of the Old Testament sacrificial symbols and types that pointed to him. Today, we are going to um, look at his eternal existence, that he is who he says he is, who he was, and continues to be, the Lord God Almighty. So, here we go. I want to start with something that Moses wrote as he was writing a prayer in, in Psalm 90, verse 2. And this is what he, he has to say about Jesus. Before the mountains were brought forth, and before you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We see here one, God's nature, Jesus, is without beginning or end, free from all succession of time, and contains in itself the cause of time. Psalm 102.27 says, but you are always the same. You will live forever. So Colossians 1.17, Paul wrote, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is before all things. When the universe had its beginnings, Christ already existed. Thus, by definition, he must be eternal. So we're going to look at some of these scriptures. And I want Jesus to narrate it for you as though he's speaking to you through my voice. Before the mountains were brought forth, before I even formed the earth and made the world, I have always existed. It wasn't me and space around me. It was the allness of me. And within me, I created. I made room. Because in eternity past, I had chosen you before I created anything. You were chosen in me. So therefore, thinking of you, I created. You are the reason why I created. You are the apple of my eye. You are my beloved. You are my bride. Many people ask, where did I come from? It is a question that a human being and an answer that a human being wouldn't be able to handle. Because just the word everlasting or eternal just boggles the brain of a human being. For I made man. First, he was created with full knowledge of which we will talk about. Full wisdom. And he knew me. He saw me face to face. It was in the beginning, in Genesis first one, where I told Moses to write. In the beginning, 
I do create a covenant in my life. And I formed man out of the soil, out of the dust. But it was in a garden where the two realms united. For I took what was earth, part of this planet, and I joined it with my breath. I joined the physical and the spiritual realms together, therefore joining man and me in divine life. But maybe some of you have read the story of the fall. Maybe some of you haven't even read the Bible at all. For it is there that I showed my plan to human beings. I created you to love you and in return to receive your love. I've never asked you for anything else. Love me because I am your beloved. I am your God and I am your creator. I have always been involved in your life. When I was at the garden, yes, of course, you heard of your adversary. The adversary was man. When man turned their backs on me, before he did, I told Adam, Adam, of everything here in this garden you can have. You can even partake of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever. I don't know what held Adam back, but while he, we were having conversation, the adversary of man was talking to his counterpart. And she who should have listened to her husband listened to the voice of a stranger. that's what the adversary came to do. He saw that I loved you. He knew the reason why I created. And there he came to attack you and took from you what I have so freely given you, the title deed to the earth. Sin broke out. Death was, came, came, was born. And therefore, I cursed the serpent and told him that one day, I would crush his head, and he would bruise me because in the future I was already thinking about redemption, the cross. So man continued to be on the earth, and sin broke out. But my plan was never thwarted. It was never stopped. Because just as in the joining of the garden, I joined the physical and the spiritual realms. In the future, I was thinking of myself, Jesus Christ, as the joining of the two realms together. In me, man would be born again. And therefore, you again would experience divine life. From the beginning, even after all this happened, I showed up constantly on the earth in what you guys might know or call the theophanies of Jesus Christ. In these theophanies, I'll give you an example of one. I called out to a man named Abraham and told him to leave his father's house and to go to a place that I would give him. Many people don't understand, but the land of Israel is the throne of God. It is where Jesus Christ will come again and sit in majestic glory for a thousand years. So Abraham had gone out to war with some kings because his, his nephew Lot had been kidnapped. He was very rich. Many of you know the story. 
But this is to show you that Jesus was involved in the life of human beings since the Garden of Eden. But the thought of dealing with human beings didn't start in the garden. It started in eternity past. Because the Bible says very clearly, you were chosen before God even created anything. You are here today because you are the elect, believe it or not. You might look at yourself and say, oh, man, why would God choose somebody so messed up? That's because the Lord does not choose the way we choose. The Lord knows how to fix us. We know how to break ourselves and break others. But Jesus, our creator and eternal God, knows how to fix us. So as Abraham, Abraham, now the servant of God, whom God had made a promise to, and this is very important as you read, as you're reading God's word, the word is Jesus Christ. The instructions are his instructions on how we should live. Now, we know that there's a lot of things that we might, in the physical, not be able to do. But I want you to see what this priest, this high priest, in Hebrews 7, 1, it says, This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. But if you go to the book of Genesis and you read when Abraham, um, when uh, Melchizedek, comes to meet Abraham, he brings him something. He brings him bread and wine. It says here that when Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in the battle, gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem, which means king of peace. Throughout the word of God, who is the king of justice and who is the king of peace? Isn't it Jesus? So look at what he says. There is no record of his father or his mother or of his ancestors, no beginning or end of life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how Jesus never never left us without letting us know what he was doing. If you are a child of God, he has given you the written word to let you know exactly what he's doing, what he's going to do, and what waits in the future. There are other accounts, like when Jacob, Abraham's grandson, is fleeing from his brother Saul, right? Saul was com- his brother Esau was coming with 400 soldiers. Jacob is thinking, why does my brother need so many people just for me? You know, Jacob was a trickster and sold his birthright. In the Old Testament, the oldest received the right of the inheritance to run it. He was left with total control, right? And he took it. 
he took it. So what happened? He goes to a place, right? He's running. Before, well, before he's running, he goes to a place where he's laying down and he has a vision of a, of a ladder and angels going up and down. The door of the heaven is just open in his dream. And he screams. And he's thinking, am I going crazy? Or is this really happening? And so what happens? He calls that place Bethel, meaning house of God. Bethel means house of God. So there, there he, as he's having this vision, he, he, he makes it, uh, he offers a sacrifice, finds a jar of oil, and calls the place House of God. Later on to be running from his brother, knowing that God had made him a promise and told him, hey, right there where you're sleeping, that is yours. That's your land. So Jacob wanted to be led, right? So I'm pretty sure that when he had to confront his brother, he must have been like we do sometimes. Lord, you said you were going to do this. Lord, you said you wouldn't give me this. Lord, you said you were going to protect me. But here comes Esau with the sword hanging out. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus gives you a promise, he will keep it. Whether you believe it or not, he doesn't do it to please you. He does it because his word is eternal and he stands forever. He does not have to convince us to do anything, nor does he have to convince us by showing us things. He just does it because he is who he is. He does not need your permission or mine. We are clay. We are clayed out. With something so beautiful inside of us, which is the breath of God. And this life in us, for a moment, had gone to sleep in the garden. And only he who gives life could resurrect it. The Old Testament tells us that we were born. We were born from a mother, a mother and a father, humans, human parents, right? But then in the New Testament, you hear, but now we are born of God. My question is, are you born again? Does the living Christ live in you? Do you know where you're going when you die? And are you sure of your seat? Only you know that because of your intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You think Jesus came for us to just feel good? To be full of goosebumps? To be full of ourselves? To put on a show? You think Jesus came so that we could look like he told the Pharisees? Good on the outside, but rotten bones on the inside. Well, your Lord and Master who lives and lives forever, who is here today, can see each and every heart that you have. He sees your brokenness. He sees your sadness. He sees your, your disappointment. He sees your flaws. He sees your sins. But how many of you know that the Master... Father's grace, your sins, your flaws, your mistakes can never be greater than his love and unconditional grace. Do you believe that? Are you living that? Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus still in the manger for you? Is Jesus still on the cross? Or do you see him as he, he truly is? as the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords? Do you see him as the Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and is to come? 
Remember, he is to come. Do you see him today in your life? Do, we, do you see him living through you? Do you see him reaching out to the lost? Do you see him feeling compassion for those that are sleeping in the street? How do you show that love? You do what he says. Oh, I don't want to get close to that person. He's dirty. Oh, I don't want to get close to that person. They, they. Well, guess what? When Jesus walked the earth, and throughout the time involved in humanity, he touched what no other human being would touch. What did he do? It was against the law for anyone to come near a leper. It was against the law for a man to get close to a woman in her time of the month. It was against the law for so, so many things. A lady who had a flow of blood. Who knows what that was? But what did Jesus constantly do? He touched. <laughs> Showing who he is. I made you. You're broken. I can fix you. You cannot fix yourself. What did he say? Apart from me, you can't do nothing. How many of you have been trying to do stuff your way? How many of you still continue knowing that God said, I will provide all your needs? How many of you are still saying, well, maybe I can move a little faster than God because I don't have patience. He never changes. His love for you never changes. And he gets so involved with us that sometimes we don't see him. And this is how we act. Lord, where are you? Lord, do I have to go to the mountains or to the sky or to the end of the sea or to the bottom to find you? Revelation 3.20. I stand here knocking at the door of your heart. What makes you think I'm that far? The reason why that happens is because you have not believed that when the risen Christ said that he would live in you, he would live in you. You think that I'm the only person he wants to use and talk through? No. All of you should be up here talking about what he has done for you. Each and every one of you is a miracle. Some of you have been through some stuff that if you told people, they would look at you like you're crazy. Some of you have been put in supernatural situations where you hear the voice of God tell you to move while there's a straight bullet coming at your face. like me, strung on on drugs, heroin, IV shooter, self-destruct. I hate my life. I said to God, and he said, but I love you. He said, return to me. And I said, but look at me. I'm so messed up. I'm so messed up. Look, all I could do was look at the physical when he was trying to show me, like what he did with the man that laid on that, on that mat, waiting for the water in the pool of Siloam to be moved, right? He came, this is a question, this is a question that Jesus always asks us when we find, our, find ourselves lost in ourselves because we are the worst enemies to ourselves. So Jesus comes with a question. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Why ain't you well? 
have you ever responded to what he asked you? What did the man laying on that mat say? Oh, every time I, I, I try to run over there, somebody jumps in front of me. Are you going to take me there? No. I asked you a question. Do you want to be made well? How deep do you want to go into your relationship with Christ? How deep do you want to know your king? How deep do you want to encounter your God? And you start to tell the man, I didn't, I didn't tell you to give me a bunch of excuses. I asked you one question because I'm the only one that can answer it. Do you want to be made well? How many of you are here today spiritually drained, emotionally drained, stressed out, either by people, your enemies, or the worst person of all, yourself? <laughs> hey, let me tell you, it's easy to, for you to look at me and for me to look at you from the outside, but don't you dare point at me. Don't tell me about my sin. I want to come here and look good. I want I want people to think that, hey, me and Jesus, we like this. We cool. Right, Lord? No. Uh-uh. If you truly look at yourself in the mirror, what mirror? The word of God. If you look at yourself in the Beatitudes, and that's not how you feel, missing out on so much blessings because the Beatitudes don't tell you how to get there. They just tell you blessed are the poor in spirit. It doesn't tell you how to get there. It's blessed. <laughs> blessed are those who know they need Jesus. How many of you know you need Jesus today? How many of you are without Jesus today? Whoa, I don't see no hands. Woo! How many of you are still far from Jesus? Don't be shy. There are times when I feel close. There are times when I feel distant. But is it because Jesus is far from me? No. I like to take my own little steps away sometimes. And I know he's nudging me. All right, kiddo. It's been uh, five hours on that Netflix. You don't give me that much time. Right? But I want to leave you with something. Because Jesus is, for, is before all things. He was involved in creation. He is your creator, my creator. We are the works of his finger. We have his breath of life in us. Now we have his Holy Spirit. We have that spirit. We have the precious blood that the Bible says very clearly. It's beautiful. This verse is real beautiful. It says, that when we, the children of God, are in fellowship, guess what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you are divided from your brother, if you are divided from your sister, it's the opposite of that. Because you must be in fellowship for that blow, for the flow of the blood to continue to flow like it does in your body. Ain't that beautiful? You have to see it. You have to see the Lord working in you. In Revelation 117, look at what happens to Jesus. The, the disciple that is called, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, right? Because he was always leaning on him, you know? He was probably the youngest, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But in Revelation 117, it says, this is the, 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 the Apostle John writing. And when I saw him, who? Jesus. I fell at his feet. Whose feet? Jesus. And he, who? Laid his right hand upon me. 
saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. The first and the last. So this is what Jesus has to say about himself. Now notice the response of John when he heard the voice and turned around. What happened to him? He fell flat on his face. When was the last time that you bent your knees before your holy God and Savior at his house? When was the last time you came to his altar and said, all hail, King Jesus? When was the last time? I'm guilty. I'm guilty myself. Why are people afraid to bend their knees at church? In the house of God, where you are among your brethren, those who you will spend an eternity with. What makes you so afraid? Even in this message that you have learned today, Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. And this is Jesus who he is in the book of Revelation. It describes Jesus with hair white like wool, with eyes like a flaming fire, his feet like burnished bronze, his face like 10,000 suns shining in all its strength. It is so powerful that you can stand before a holy God and see him. But the same Jesus that we call Savior is also a son of God. And he lives forever. And these are his titles. You know that throughout the Bible, he uses many names. Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah DC. You know, all those names describe what he's doing at the moment. But this is who he is forever. Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn over the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is the alpha and the omega that you hear about. He, Jesus is. The one who is and who was and who is to come. The almighty. Jesus is also the son of man. The son of God. Jesus is also the one that was dead, but now is alive forevermore. Jesus is the one who is holy and true. Jesus is the amen and the faithful true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the lamb in heaven in the book of Revelation with authority to open the title deed to the earth. Remember man lost it? Who got it back? Jesus Christ. He defeated Satan not as God, but as man on the cross. Did you know that? He took it from man, and Jesus as man took it back. Isn't he powerful? Jesus is the lamb on, on the throne. Jesus is the Messiah, the Messiah who will reign forever. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. The word of God. When you see in Genesis 1, the word, it's Jesus. When you see Jesus uh, prophesied by Isaiah, what did Isaiah said? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
that is your God and mine. He is the majestic king of kings and lord of lords, returning in, returning in glorious power to conquer his enemies. And listen, Jesus is coming. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime or in the lifetime of your kids. But remember what the word said. What he said, he does. <laughs> and there is no going back. So I don't know what you might be playing with. Or if you think you can have one foot in and one foot out. Dip and dab here. No, 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 no. Jesus wants soldiers. He wants sons and daughters that are willing, like the early church, to know why, who they were living for and who they were dying for. We should never, I don't know about you, but I was faced with that so many times in my, in my worldly life that I don't know, maybe it's me, but sometimes I feel like it's easier for me to live or die for Jesus because I came to that door many, many times. But is that you? Would you lay down your life for Christ? Would somebody mock you and make fun of you because you're trying to talk to him about the master of whom they do not know? And you want them to know because you care enough to want to share it with them? Do you? Share it with them. We hear it all the time. How many of us have family members who we know are foul? <laughs> I mean, foul, right? And we'd rather not approach them because we're afraid of what they might say. But remember, the Lord prepares the heart. And he doesn't send you to nobody. Sometimes he'll send you to somebody that will reject you or probably spit at you. You know, we heard Pastor Tom a couple weeks ago when he said that there was that guy that was always preaching and he was like, oh, why can't this guy shut up? Right? Sometimes it's like that. If it's in the circumstances. But church, this is, this is what I'm trying to say. When you read the word of God, read the word who is Jesus. When you look at the word of God, the Bible, because we have two. The written word and the living word, right? The living word is a person. And where, does, where did he choose to live? Inside you and me. Do I have to think that I have to go somewhere far to get this? Or can I just look within where Jesus said that he would be enthroned in my spirit, in your spirit? Is Jesus enthroned in your spirit today? Is he the master of your life? Does he call the shots? When you call him Lord, I hope you understand what you're saying. Lord, you are the shot caller and the master of my life. I don't want to do anything that you did not tell me to do. I don't want to get ahead of myself and think that that's what you said. I want you, Lord, to take control of my thinking, my behavior, my actions, the way I look at people, the way I treat people, the way I think about people, the way I think about myself when I'm putting myself down. Lord, it's not what I think and it's not what people say, just like it says in the Proverbs. It is a dangerous thing to be concerned about what others have to say about you. But if you trust in the Lord, he will make your way straight. Church, if there's, if God has spoken to your heart today, I know he spoke to me. And I'm standing here talking. Shoot, he points my stuff out. There is an open altar. Pastor Tom is here. Brother Mario is there. There's other brothers and sisters that will come and pray for you. Listen, this is not about what that person next to you has to think. This is the salvation that is offered to you between you and the Lord. This is personal. In judgment, nobody's going to be there but you and the Lord. 
there is the judgment with Christ, just the church gets rewarded, the members get rewarded, and then there's that judgment. There's a big white judgment before, before the Father where all the books will be opened. Think about that. There's books written about each and every one of us. Oh, nobody saw that. Oh, nobody saw that thought. Nobody saw me throw that rock and hide my hand. Right? Well, how many of you, did you ever think about it? Did it ever occur to you that everywhere you go and everything you do, you have a recording angel with you? He ain't going to listen to what you say. Erase that. He's going to keep writing. And the books were opened, and the dead, the dead, those that didn't know Christ, were judged according to what was written about them. If you don't have Christ living in you, that book that you don't want to open is still being written in you. But if you belong to Christ, the greatest news you could ever hear, the precious blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So I'm going to ask us to stand up and listen. If there are things you need to confess, if there are things you need to bring to the Lord, I'm not going to tell you to stay there. I'm going to tell you to come here. And do not be afraid. But if you think you got it all together, and you have nothing wrong with you, but you're still playing with sin, and you don't want to come, the Lord won't force you either. Salvation is a gift. It's not given to you with a gun in your head. It is offered to you freely because the master, the creator of the universe, paid with his own life. So guess what? If you really think about it, if you don't have to think about it, we owe him everything. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you do have a relationship with Christ and are still struggling, sicknesses, financial problems, marital problems, relationship problems, whatever problem, come. Many people are willing to pray with you. Come on. Let that shame go away. This is between you and the Lord. Come on, there's more. You know who you are. The Lord is tugging at you. Come on, come on, don't play. Don't play, this is, don't worry about people. We love you too. We love you. Because Christ fills us with this love. Come on, come on. We're soldiers of the kingdom. We've been called to serve. We've been called to love. We've been called to be transformed. And that's what Jesus wants to do right now. Recruit, recruit, recruit. Come on. Help us, Billy, to study. Don't be afraid. Before you know it, you'll be so close to these brothers and sisters that you'll feel at home. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come on. We got room for you. We got a special place for you. that it? Is that it? Come on. You know who you are. God is still touching hearts and lives here. Come on. We love you, brother. Come on. Come on. Be a part of this family. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He who was and who is and who is to come. The Lord God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these men and women that you have brought up here.
who have humbled themselves to realize their need for you. I know that for a long time, Lord God, we want to hide our struggles. We want to hide that something is going on. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will meet these men and women where they're at, and that you will confirm in them that they belong to you. We are your sons and daughters. We were chosen in you before the world began. Now use us. Use us to bring your name glory and to spread your good news upon the earth. Father, everything come, came from you, and it only pointed to you. I thank you for using me and using my brothers and sisters here to be vessels that you share your love through. And Father, I pray for the rest of the church. I pray that you will meet them where they're at. That you would pour out your Holy Spirit in this place this morning. And that they will hear your voice. Just as surely as you speak to those who want to listen. It is written in your word that we will hear your voice speaking behind our ears. Telling us to go left or to go right. You are ever present in our lives. You are omnipotent. You are the God who is here, not only seated at the right hand of the Father, but you are here in the Holy Spirit. We love you and we praise you. Father, I pray that you will guide us throughout the week. I pray that we will bring you glory, that we will shine your light wherever we go. I pray that this place will be full of people who love and need you, Lord God. People who will hunger and thirst for righteousness and be filled because your promises are true. Lord, I know we don't have it all together and we still make mistakes. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that your precious blood is cleansing us, even now, from all unrighteousness. Father, we love you. We ask for your direction throughout the week. And I pray that Brothers and sisters will come to the meetings that we have here, Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday nights, and Friday celebrate recovery, Lord God. And if there's no group here, Lord God, I pray that they will get connected to a church that has a group. Father, I pray that we will continually grow, not just on Sundays, but every day for the rest of our lives until you call us home. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, and the church of God says, amen. 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 amen.